Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Been a little while since we talked, so how about some MLB news? And I was just going to frame it with with two pieces of information here, two conversation starters. Uh, Is Carlos Correa's signing with the Mets the biggest splash, mostly because of how they rolled it out? No, DeGrom to Texas is the biggest splash. You think DeGrom to Texas? Okay. I think the reason I highlighted Correa is because we talked previously about how important this shortstop class was going to be. And we talked about how basically Correa would probably be the last person to sign, <laughs> which turned out to be accurate. And then he almost dragged it out for almost. fun. <laughs> yeah, because Swansby. Swansby, yes. So so just to recap the shortstop classes, right? Turner goes to the Phillies. Trey Turner goes to the Phillies, signs a gigantic contract. Bogarts goes to the Padres, signs a gigantic contract. Swanson goes to the Cubs. Well, in there, Correa says he's going to the Giants on a massive contract. Swanson <laughs> confirms with the Cubs for a large but not massive contract. And yeah, then yeah, probably the most decent one. Swanson pivots, and or Swanson, Correa pivots and is signing with the Mets for a massive contract. Which of these shortstop situations do you like the best, fantasy, looking forward fantasy-wise? I don't think Correa... Trey Turner is, is going to be awesome no, I think in I, Philadelphia. That's exactly what we've I... Already, we've already talked about that. That's exactly I what I wanted I to hear. Like, <laughs> I mean, Dansby... Is gonna he's gonna have at bats. Well, he's, he's got to hit at the top of that lineup, right? I mean, there's no yeah. As opposed to his issue in Atlanta, where he's batting way down the lineup, they love batting him seven through nine. <laughs> and when he was when he was playing for them, the Cubs. I don't think the Cubs can afford to do that because who do the Cubs have to <laughs> bat early in the lineup? Yeah, if they can, and they and Cubs have sort of they made a couple of little moves like mm-hmm. so. I you know that team could be. That team could do like a the click thing if they just click, they could, it could be pretty good. Well, I, I'm thinking that they're kind of going to be like, like a like a more expensive Guardians team. Like the Guardians team had a bunch of pieces last year, and it was like, boy, I hope this team clicks. And if they if they do click, they'll be pretty good. I think that's sort of like a, a decent. I haven't seen anything to suggest that the Cubs know what they're doing. <laughs> okay, since they won the World Series. I mean, basically, they've been on a bender since they won the World Series. <laughs> this is what you kind of expected yeah. the Red Sox to do after they won the World Series in 04, but they were actually super competent and won it again yes. a couple years later. Yes. Whereas the Cubs were just like, we won it. We're done. They're done. Yeah. yeah. Let's go back to being the Cubs. We officially want to return to being <laughs> the Cubs. Speaking of the Red Sox, this is the other framing device I wanted to use. Uh, Red Sox signed Corey Kluber. And... I would say that looks a little twinsy, little twinsy of them. So you lose Ivaldi and you get Kluber. That's bad, right? <laughs> like, That's not good. But Ivaldi, um, I don't know. I like him. I like Ivaldi, but well, they they I, leaned the, on him the, too hard, right? His Ivaldi should be at best a third pitcher. Yeah, he's a yeah, good no, he's, he's a good third be, guy to have. Yeah. 
you're supposed to have yeah you're supposed to have a number one a number two and then it's a guy like Avaldi, or yep. maybe even another guy and then Avaldi number four well i mean that would that would be amazing like, if you could take if you could take that much pressure off him where he's number four that's pretty good it's what he was that world series year exactly exactly let's move on and talk about some fantasy news his dark materials uh we're gonna breeze through this like hbo breezed through the like drop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, drop him drop, drop, we, drop, drop, drop. we were shocked when we found that the episodes were out that episodes were already out and then they dropped them to a piece just for a month in the holiday season like could you could you try to bury this any harder I know what. So in the UK, are they doing the same thing? So it's on BBC, right? So they it is a BBC. So they they dropped them all quick as well on BBC. I mean, they must have who who made that decision? Must have been BBC made the decision, right? Because I think that BBC is the BBC the, is the controlling the controlling yeah. stake here. I assume, uh, but shocking, really, really surprising, um, really surprising, and the whole thing again. The thing looks pretty good yeah the acting it feels like bad not good did you think (laughs) this is how you show this is like the old school thing about like this is this is tv yeah 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 this is made for tv but this is made for like a yeah this is made for like a um hbo miniseries yes but they got the hbo visual effects tech yeah. Which is the big step up for yeah. like your average BBC show because it looks good. The show looks good. Yeah, it's also tuned at the brightness that you wish that Game of Thrones had been tuned at. <laughs> <laughs> we can actually see things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So you know, no yeah. complaints there. Uh, my biggest complaint is actually a little bit with myself in that I don't remember any of Amber Spyglass. It turns out. You know what? I remember. What's funny is like I remember enough of the beats. To be exactly. like, okay, yeah. good. They hit, they hit this beat. Boom, we're um, the boat, and they made a couple mm-hmm. of choices, but it like it like works. And then they, you know, killed God. Okay, boom, we did that. Well, that part and was then, so yada yada. <laughs> if you blinked, you would have missed it. Yes, that that was which, but I think if it's more true to the book in that way because you as a it reader is. knew more than the kids did. That's right, but the thing that wasn't clear in the the biggest difference, as we've already talked about, is the emphasis on the adult storylines in the show. Yeah. So you and I talked about this yes. offline. As I, I did, you raise it or did I raise it? Because it's been a big remember. pet peeve of mine. It's too much Ruth. Like, yeah, Mrs. Coulter. Too much of her, and a lot of the off-page stuff was brought on screen, whereas a lot of the on-page stuff for the kids is not on screen. Well, a couple notes. I mean, they obviously decided that Ruth and James McAvoy were their most important assets. Well, and, I, and clearly after season one, they were like, if you want us back, we're going to have to be featured more heavily. Well, I was thinking it was more like they're also the best actors in the show as well. Yeah, it's too bad the director didn't get much out of them. I agree with that, but I think it could have gotten really tedious i mean it runs it runs the risk of of all the shows that have ever had to feature uh younger actors which is like Mm -hmm. you're really leaning on them hard to to make all the scenes work all right so give me your top line takeaway uh excited was it okay were you interested um was this satisfactory disappointed where are you at it was fine 
Yeah. I mean, it was much better than that movie. Oh, well. I mean, that movie was so bad that they they vowed not to make more, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I said, no, no thank you. Um, that, it's too bad because we had that and Aragon, the Aragon movie, yeah. in like rapid succession. Or it was just like, I, I still have this like thought process of like, I don't know if like movie series are going to get finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. This was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. I Too much time between... Season two yep. and season three. Yep. And uh, I think that the pace was a little hard for me to actually, like, go through. Because mm-hmm. it was, like, too much. Mm-hmm. You want to talk baseball? I do. Let's talk about the... Fantasy baseball, that is. Let's talk about the projects that we're going to do this year. I was thinking All we'd right. do kind of a series of booting up our tools that we've done before, checking in on things. And to me, it starts with projections. This is one of our one of our most durable tools that we've developed on in the the course of the show, I think, and also actually, honestly, really useful one. Do we have to? Should we grade ourselves against other projections? Yes, but but the challenge is the challenge is figuring out how to actually do that fairly. I know we've always had that problem because once you look at it in that disaggregate, it's like you know you're grading one player. It's like, well, how do you grade? batting average being off by 30 points but being bang on on rbis and runs we have yeah well actually that's an interesting point because in our system one they shouldn't be one stat shouldn't be skewed strongly relative to the others or we've probably assigned them to the wrong cluster so because in in our system all right to to go back we're using the same strategy as all of our previous years which is k means clustering which means conceptually that we think that there are archetypal players out there archetypes of players out there and what we need to do our task is to assign first of all build those (laughs) identify the identify what the archetypal players look like and then assign every player to their archetype this doesn't mean they have to be exactly on they can have some spread away from that archetype they can stretch the dimensions in this higher order space they will absolutely we have some corrections for that Um, it's all treated very rigorously mathematically and the reason that we love this is because it comes with uncertainties that we tag everything with uncertainties which gives us a leg up when we're evaluating how robust our our projections are and gives us a sense of how accurate how much we trust our projections (laughs) yeah yeah so one of the things that i worked really hard on last year was actually making this button clickable in the sense that okay boom go run projections and we did it I booted okay. this up uh, yesterday, <laughs> so with less than 24 hours to go, I was pretty confident that I could make this happen for this, and they are live. <laughs> there you go. There are, are real live projections out there. A uh, couple things, a couple notes, of course. Right, and because ours are all, all completely backwards facing. Yes. We don't need to wait. The season is done. We could have done this right after the season ended. Yes, exactly. And there are things that we will change. I mean, I've date I've marked this with today's date, but I expect that this is not the this is not the final edition of these. This is for me a jumping off point. And one of the things I was hoping we could do today is just sort of chat through the the stereotype the stereotype players or the archetypal players. And also if there's anything we like or don't like about the top ranked players in both of these. Because as we've talked about extensively before. We have to get the top-ranked players right. It has to pass the smell test, or we don't trust the whole system. Yeah, exactly. And and all the projection systems, 
as they as they look at these, um, you know, the dispersion just increases over over the player uh, over the rank. Yes. So the dispersion, so you need to be as tight as possible in the first ones before the dispersion just completely is out of whack. Yes, totally agree. Would you? Are you interested in starting with batters or with pitchers? I am interested in starting with pitchers, All... even though I have batters open right now. <laughs> well, they should be they they should be fairly easily navigable. There we go. Just to say, these... oh wow, I know this 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 guy who's number one. Uh, <laughs> we might be talking about him later. We we definitely are talking about him later. And just to give you caveats for both the batters and the pitchers, the innings pitched are whatever they achieved in 2022. Right, and that's the one thing where we could make an adjustment. Between now and opening day. We definitely will make an adjustment between now and opening day. But just bear that in mind. The rates won't change. So in the sense we've emphasized this previous years, but there's you can view your changes as just a multiplicative factor. So I'm looking at Sandy Alcantara, who's our number two guy, pitched 228 innings last year. If you think, no, he's actually only going to pitch 200 innings, okay, great. Knock 10% off each one of these, off each one of these stats. Yeah. Man, I still want to do the like. Um, I have this dream of us getting everybody in in TGFBI to give the their projection on the number of innings pitched or played appearances of players, and then we boom plug that right in the system because then you know the the disaggregate is gonna be pretty darn good. I, that would actually be really fun because it would be. Re- I would be most interested in the converse, which would be the ones where the collective wisdom gets it wrong. <laughs> well, no, but if we want to have the collective, we want the collective wisdom to get it right. Yes. But where we'll get it wrong is going to mostly be injuries. Oh, I mean, that's that's always the perennial issue in, in any of these. Um, I mean, it's like I didn't realize that, I don't know, Chris Bassett was going to go yeah. down in on his second start of the season. And need Tommy John, so he wasn't going to get 181. Yeah, exactly. Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett. Um, yeah, funny stuff here. I, I think the top so of what this. Do you, what do you got for me? The top of this looks pretty good. So let me let me just give you the top ten here, and then we can go from there. So top ten is Justin Verlander, Sandy Alcantara, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Julio Urias, Shane Bieber, Shohei Otani, Max Fried, Carlos Rodon, you Darvish. Uh, for, to round out the top 10. Is there anyone well, you, you hate in here? You forgot you forgot to remove your uh Shane Bieber bias uh from the <laughs> from the model. That's, that clear. <laughs> I um well, look, let's let me tell you what the model thought Shane Bieber is going to get with these. The model thinks that Shane Bieber is going to get 250 strikeouts in 200 innings this year. And that is extremely valuable. <laughs> The 200 innings piece of it, yeah. If he got 200 innings, he probably could get 250 strikeouts. I believe that. <laughs> he uh, so ERA projection 2.92, WHIP projection 1.08, 14 wins. I mean, these these make sense, right? <laughs> like, I kinda... this isn't wrong. This isn't wrong. If he gets 200 innings, yeah. <laughs> and I have given you all the caveats here. If you want to take 20 percent right. off this, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I believe you then. Uh, but this is the point. Like this is this is why we want to get. Like I would love to see what TGFBI. If we get everyone TGFBI to get the innings projection, will we get like one sixty for him? 
Yeah, I think so. I was thinking, right. yeah, pull 20% off, off these. That's fine. And then you're looking at a 200 strikeout guy with 11, 12 wins. Why are we so high on Julio Urias? Uh, well, the model basically loves his ERA and WHIP, right? Two point forecasting him for two point six two and one point oh one ERA WHIP. And that's it. Those are very valuable and, numbers. Those are actually increases from what he got this year, yes. right? Yeah, there is regression baked in for him. I mean, those those are just incredibly valuable. Thinks he could he thinks he could have an ERA as low as two point oh six. Yeah, right. That whip number is probably less realistic, eight point eight seven. Well, point yeah. So, so our to be fair, our our band of projections for whip here goes from point eight seven to one point one five. <laughs> wow. So he's that's what, but that's why he's number five is because this is. I guess I, I mean he does. Ha- I don't want to own him. <laughs> I don't want to own him. But I know he's, he is going to be a highly valuable player. You were cold. You were cold him on him. That's very interesting how cold you are on him. But he doesn't strike guys out. And we acknowledge that. Look, 100, so we're having 177. Our projection is 177 strikeouts and 175 innings. That is a notable outlier compared to almost all the guys with the exception of Sandy Alcantara, who we think is also going to be low. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so Urias is probably going to be a top 10 guy, and you're probably going to want to I think not have him on I, your team. I think so. I mean, I think I do think there are a couple of guys that you could bump around in here. I mean, so we have... Nolan at 13. Well, what the heck McClanahan is Max Fried doing in 14. here? I'm sorry. But that's, of all the ones that you said, Max Fried doesn't make sense. Uh, there's a big premium placed on the ear and whip in this because the way that this has been designed for Roto. So I guess my question to you would be. Okay, I'm going to put it. Okay, he's not going to be he, over under 12.5. Okay. Uh, end of next season. No, no, I, I think over. But my point. My point to you is that these are blind roto rankings. So these sure, implicitly sure, sure, weight sure, sure, sure. strikeouts, ERA, whip, wins, all the same. So if we really yeah, want yeah. to rank these guys, if we really want to properly rank them, as opposed to just making projections, which is, which is the thing we talk about every single year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. We have to really decide on what we think is valuable in a fantasy sense. Like... I totally agree with you. The fact that Max Fried is going to get 165 strikeouts on 185 innings, no one's going to draft him in the top 10. That would be insane <laughs> from a fantasy perspective. But we're, yeah, okay. But his, I don't think his ERA is going to be... I think he's a most of, of the first couple that we're seeing. Like that band for ERA just doesn't seem right. You think we're going to miss? And that band for whip doesn't... I think he's going to be outside of that. I don't think he's going to be outside of the whip band. 1.35, that's extremely generous. But 3.14 for the ERA. So so the Max Fried band is 2.41 to 3.14 in ERA. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I mean, I'm looking at Aaron Nola's band, which goes from 2.94 to 4.26. <laughs> Did you update the wins model as well? Because he's, he's getting 14 wins here. Uh, small, tiny, and that's highly valuable. As tiny well. tweak, yeah, but obviously the wins are very valuable. The wins model is very tied to how many innings pitched and the ERA that you get. So well, we haven't we haven't changed it to the um, artificial neural net wins model. No, that we no, nope, that change has not been well, applied. Well, you want to well, see me? You want to see me do for, that? Okay. Well, that was looking for things to do. That was not button clickable, but that could be done in a week. <laughs> but, oh, cool. could we make that button clickable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hasn't been installed as just hasn't been installed as the button here. It's still going to be dependent on innings pitched. They they 
innings pitched, for better or for worse, is the fundamental thing that dictates how many wins you will get. It's the strongest indicator because you have to go deep in games. I mean, there literally is a rule for how deep you have, how far you have to go in games to get a win, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's it's baked in, no matter what we do. It's so funny that artificial neural net doesn't know that, but it does. Know it knows, right? <laughs> I didn't tell it, but it knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it there is that is one of the layers in the artificial neural net and it doesn't know it it doesn't know that that's what the layer is it just thinks it's somewhere and it's the same way that the fantasy pundits don't know the freaking rule either exactly, exactly. <laughs> you should have gotten a win exactly. <laughs> all right pivot to batters here top 10 again let me just give this to you jose ramirez aaron judge trey turner shohei otani marcus simeon Bo bichette manny machado freddie freeman dansby swanson mookie betts so it's nice to see that our model has not been fully swayed by Aaron Judge's season. <laughs> not fully, but basically. <laughs> yeah. And Marcus Simeon had a good enough second half to keep him in the top But he 10. did have a good enough second half. That's the thing. I, I know. I, I know. This is this is where our, our home league is so screwed up, is that it ends so early that you might not have seen that Marcus Simeon actually continued to... Yes. Get in sync in Texas. Yes. Uh, but 724 plate appearances. Oh, wow. But that's what he got, right? That's what he got last year. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm buying him. If I if you told me at the beginning of this season, like, Semyon's going to get 724 plate appearances. Yes, <laughs> sign me up. Yeah. Okay, here's here's one thing for how, <laughs> how our error bands do interesting things. Aaron Judge, uh, somewhere between 50 and 76 home runs. <laughs> Oh, he's gonna break the record. <laughs> I mean, we're not we're not uh, going on to saying that he's. I mean, it's interesting because he has completely broken the home run scale. He's so far from the center of any cluster. So we're projecting him for sixty two, but the next highest guy that we're projecting is Kyle Schwarber at forty five. So the fact, the whole concept of our model here, which is based on archetypes, Aaron Judge has effectively stretched that to its absolute breaking point on the home run side. But you know what? That's actually probably good. Remember how we, we've always said that projections under-project. They do. Yeah. We've, we've seen this across the board and other people. Because you you under-project because that gets you the the, uh, the mass of your projections closer. Typical year, I don't think Kyle Schwarber would be projected for 45 home runs. But that feels like a pretty good projection. I It feels pretty good. I mean, we haven't forecasted for anywhere between 31 and 58 with the most expected value being 45. I don't think Kyle Schrober is going to get 58 home runs, but I I think he'll be more. I think he'll be more than 31, though. I'm pretty confident. No, but I think that this is good. This is this is kind of help bump up the um, projections for other other players. Well, I think yeah. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head with things that caveats that we need to say with our projections, which is that we are actually shooting to have some number of projections above what they actually get, as the same number above as below. <laughs> we want our central projection to be on, which means that. We are going to overpredict some guys. Yeah, I mean Mike Trout, four hundred ninety-nine plate appearances. Pff, that feels very generous. We're just so nice to him. Everybody's so nice to him. But we did rank him thirty-five overall. So you know how nice are we? Um, this Dansby Swanson coming in at number nine. How how do we feel about nah. that? <laughs> Depending on if it made it for, uh, made the cut from conversations earlier, I could see it. I. He's going to get playing time. Well, here's, here's the thing. Here's his value is driven by the fact that we're projecting him for 111 runs and 101 RBIs. 
that's a lot of lifting. I, I don't think I I think these projections He's not get there on the RBI. I think these projections are going to be wrong because of what the Cubs are going to ask him to do. So we have yeah, him, yeah, we yeah. have him coming in at a two twenty nine average, and the Cubs are going to be really really disappointed if that's what he gets. Cubs disappointed. I mean, it's, doesn't that usually sound? <laughs> that sounds about right. They're going to, yeah. but they're going to. I agree. My point is, they're going to ask him for something different. I think that you're right. I don't think that they're going to ask him. Well, 20 home runs, so yeah, I think they're going to want him to. You're right. The the problem with this is that he he's going to be asked to do something that that is not. They're going to put him in a position to have different stat lines because they're going to put him in a different position as a player as a that they're banking on yes and in the lineup order yes like his okunya was there in the lineup mm-hmm. the number one average that we're pulling is freddie freeman three point they're 338 yes are you okay Sounds with that good yeah i'm, I'm fine so with we've that. got freddie freeman 338 trey turner 334 that's too high i am inclined to agree of other guys of interest Luis Arise, I think this is actually okay. 317. Bo Bichette, 315. I'm just kind of going down the list of mm-hmm. really high average guys. Because average is one of the ones where I'm always worried <laughs> about how the projections are going to do. Uh, I think on the high side, these are pretty pretty good. I mean, Juan Soto at 305, he might actually he might blow through that. That'd be a lot of fun. How about Wander yeah. Franco that we're projecting him for over 300? 301. Hey, sophomore slump. We got some. Through. Done and done. We got some good guys Betty here already. I mean, Luis Robert. Uh, at 302. It would be nice to start getting batting averages up up again. Batting averages are one thing that I actually like projecting. So it'd be nice to see... It'd be, ni- it'd be nice to see us get that right. See this to be ac- yeah. ac- accurate. Yeah. So guys with really high PAs that we have dinged a little bit, uh, Matt Olson, 699 PAs, and yet we still rank him in at 27. Well... That sounds like Matt Olson. Austin Riley, yeah. six ninety three. We have him ranked at oh, thirty one. No. But that's right where we rank. That is your mental. Your mental model says that's about where he should. Be I know ranked, it's funny. Right? It, it's so funny when these. I mean, this is really what I wanted to talk about. Is that the kind of kind of conversation that I wanted to have? Is that are these matching our mental ish model? Like I want these to elucidate my mental model. Is always my goal for I, these rankings. I think so. I think so. I think these are looking pretty good. There's a couple of players that are a little bit out for me, but I think that a lot of it makes sense. Well, we should feel Cedric comfortable. Mullins, right in 36 range, that's exactly where we should be. Yeah. We should feel comfortable flagging those guys and looking at, okay, why are they a little different? Because there are tuning parameters to go for these. I have a couple ideas for upgrades. Um, I'll get to those. If anyone else looks at these and thinks that's a little weird, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. Tell me. Tell me somebody that looks weird, and I will try to explain why they look weird. All right. I think that about brings us to the review session. Justin Verlander. There's a lot of red being good on the Satcast page for this guy this year. He does come in at number one in our rankings, and the reason is because in 2022, he has a 1.75 ERA, a .83 whip, 185 strikeouts and 175 innings, and 18 wins. Wow, is that a season? Yeah, pretty darn good. He is still, darn good. still averaging 95 miles an hour in his fastball and with a spin rate in the 90th percentile. How is he doing it? I, I really don't <laughs> understand because he's such a funny player because we sort of thought he was, you know, dead. 
But somebody who's there's a, there's a point in time that where I was like Verlander's dead. But somebody with this much experience still throwing ninety five miles an hour. I mean, it's no wonder that he's successful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that I the thing that I will be worried about. I believe that he's going to have a good season. I think he's going to have a good season this upcoming year. But I will be closely watching his average mile per hour. If his fastball slips from ninety five, if his slider slips from eighty seven, if he stops getting that excellent contrast with his 79 mile an hour curve and 86 mile an hour changeup. I mean, those are, this is exactly the type of pitch arsenal that you want to see. Yes, this is exactly, this is the archetype of, of the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. Four great pitches. Um, he's, he gets guys to miss the ball. I mean, his chase rate is in the 77th percentile. He doesn't walk guys. I mean, that's his, that's arguably his best stat. Let me just look, but even, I'm, I mean, I'm just clicking through his percentile rankings in previous years. So 2017, I think, is the year that we kind of thought he was dead, right? But if you, hopefully you didn't draft him in 2021. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because there, there's, there's a big old blank spot. Like, hmm, he wasn't ranked in 2021. I wonder why not. Are, are you saying that 2021 is the third time that he died? I mean, I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his seasons. He's been selected as an all-star more than he hasn't <laughs> since 2005. I mean, he first he first faced MLB batters in 2005. That's <laughs> that's wild. Uh, yeah, he's been around for a long time. I mean, he was on that Detroit Tigers yes. team that went to the World Series. Yes, yes. Um, well, I'm thinking of because he stopped being he stopped being Justin Verlander like MVP and and Cy Young winner in 2014. Right. That was the first. That was that was the first time. I mean, all those early. Didn't you own him in twenty in yeah. two thousand nine, and yeah. then you put him back in the pool. You didn't yes. keep him because you're like, this guy is just this guy isn't going to be this guy isn't going to still be the best pitcher in baseball well, you, at thirty nine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, his best, his most, his season with the most strikeouts was twenty nineteen, <laughs> and then obviously, it's insane. Obviously, he goes down. I mean, so we should acknowledge the fact that his strikeout total of one hundred eighty five this year is a massive step back. But it is. It's very, still. <laughs> yeah, it's it's down from the 2019 numbers, but it's 9.5 is still pretty darn good. Yeah, I guess it's it's you know it's tied to the number of innings pitched he's going to get if he's. I don't think he's. I don't think he's mats. ever going to break 200 again. No, no. I think I, think so I do either. think he has. Okay, how many more seasons does he have left in him? This is not an appropriate bet box because I don't want to wait five years for this, but. I'm just asking you, how many more seasons do you think he has? I it sort of depends on if if he got like 16 wins this year and you know ended this season at 260, like he might come in for another four years you, to try to get 10 wins a year. You're in a you're in a keeper league. Does he? Do you have to de-weight him because of that right now? Does he get 4,000 career strikeouts? He's at 3,200 right now. Because that would be he pushes for four more seasons to try and get four thousand strikeouts. That'd be pretty incredible. Four thousand. I mean, if he was able to get three hundred wins and four and four thousand strikeouts, that would be amazing. And he's won an MVP and he's won um, a couple Cy Youngs, World Series. What does what does he need to do? He doesn't need to do anything. Like what drives him? Um, I don't know. Is that a good thing or is it a bad thing for for him? I think the fact that we don't know what drives him, but he wanted to come back after Tommy John. Like, he could have left, right? Could have been done. He could have yeah. not come back, and he still would have He still would have had 3,000 strikeouts because at the end of 2019, he's got 3,000 strikeouts. 
that's pretty could be in the hall of fame pretty incredible right i mean there's no question how could this guy not get in the hall of fame <laughs> probably first ballot too his career era is 3.24 i mean across every single season like you trot him out and he's gonna be good <laughs> is this the best player that we've watched the whole career of i think so i think so going from like hot young thing to to career elder statesman I mean, to the guy that we are actively watching the twilight of his career. Um, I think so. Is he better than Pujols? Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because they haven't even started rolling out his end of career stuff yet. So he must be telling them, don't roll out my end of career package. Don't. I might take another year off and then still pitch. Like, he he probably is going to be pitching until 45. Because Pujols has been on his way out for four seasons. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean Cabrera has been on his way out for four seasons as well. Yeah, yeah. And Verlander and Cabrera oh, are kind of like would be are kind one. of like in yeah. the same class, right? Right. Guys who were on the Tigers in those amazing days. <laughs> Never won it together on the Tigers. Yeah. Anyways, next year, let's just F- FYI, XERA this year was 266, XFIP was 323. His FIP was 249. I, so. I don't care if he has an ERA of three, right? That's fine. I, I didn't, you didn't buy him for expecting he was going to have a 175. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you didn't. And you got him at the, it, I think that his value is going to be halfway between like what his value would be, what his value was preseason last year and, and what his value should be as like the number one number two fantasy option right because we've repeatedly talked about how he was in that 35 ranking class right yeah. around so he's probably going to be in the 20s this year right well i think people are going to draft him he's higher than that but i think his i think an appropriate value is in the 20s i think the rankings are going to put him somewhere like 20 it's going to be the uh normal curve right around 20 yeah and the thing that i have to fix in our rankings is the fact that we just ignore the fact that he was gone for a year <laughs> And there's there's been yeah. no age de-weighting. I took off the the age filter is gone right now, so he would get oh, he would yeah, get hit. Still have to figure that out. He would get hit by the age filter, so pretty hard. Okay, well, would you would you draft him top twelve next year? Yeah, I th- I think so. I think I probably would. I think his payoff is going to be. I think his payoff is going to be high still. I think he's still. Get, I I bet you he's going to win sixteen this year oh i, I think so he's gonna have, i mean i think that he's gonna end the season with 260 wins and it's gonna say i'm gonna get to, to get there era over or under three this year over i'm gonna go with under okay we can put it on who are we doing next week framber valdez all right time for a little housekeeping be sure to subscribe to us on itunes and follow us on twitter fantasy tools mind the z thank you mild manner for letting us use your tune be sure to follow them on soundcloud and facebook feel free to Email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're still luck to you, buddy. We're still luck to you, too.